So when I was in college, I, I played basketball against two giants. And by that, I mean two guys who were seven feet tall, uh, which is tall. Uh, the first seven-footer also had 100 pounds on me, but, but my, my lack of muscle made me lighter, which made me faster, and this giant was rather slow. So my weakness in this situation became a strength, and his actual size and strength became a weakness. The next time I faced a, a different seven-footer, so I played really well against that, that first guy. The next time I played against the seven-footer, a different seven-footer, I was told before the game that an NBA scout was going to be at the game from Toronto to watch this guy play. And as silly as this sounds and as ridiculous as it actually was, I couldn't help think, what if I have the greatest game of my life? <laughs> right? Like, what if I get noticed? I mean, he's bigger and taller and stronger than I am, but... Maybe that's not always a strength. So on the first play, he caught the ball, and I leaned into him with all of my strength and with all of my weight just to try to keep him away from the basket. Um, but before I knew what was happening, he spun on me and dunked on my entire team. And as I watched this from behind, I thought, if this keeps happening, he might literally rip the rim off of the backboard. But down at the other end, it was my chance. So I caught the ball at the three-point line. I gave a, a little pump fake as he ran at me. He jumped and flew past me, which left the basket wide open. I immediately drove to the basket, jumped, and was on my way to fame and riches, at least in, in my imagination, when the ball flew out of my hand across the court and out of bounds. Somehow, while I was sprinting, he had landed turned around, chased me down, and blocked my shot into the stands. So now my weaknesses, which had become a strength, were now just all weaknesses and no strengths whatsoever, at least while this guy was in the game. But this moment of failure allowed me to accept the reality that I was never going to make money playing basketball for a living. So maybe I should focus on other things. Maybe I should spend a little bit more time focusing on, you know, my studies. That's why I was in college, right? So sometimes we, we often think of strengths as always being our strengths and weaknesses as always weaknesses or that our failures are always bad and that our successes are always good. But sometimes we lean so heavily into our strengths that we fail to develop other skills or other ways of being in the world. And sometimes our failures and our weaknesses become strengths because we learn something new. We learn to adapt. We learn to change. We learn how to embrace our limitations, which is a really hard thing to do. Perhaps we learn how to treat others with more grace and with more compassion, which is hard to do if we've only experienced success. So, this is a part of our story for today, a story you may have heard of, of David versus Goliath. Uh, this is a really long chapter, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to skip around and, and abbreviate it quite a bit. 1 Samuel chapter 17, starting in verse 1. Now the Philistines gathered their forces for war. They occupied one hill and the Israelites another with a valley between them. A champion named Goliath came out of the Philistine camp. 
He was nearly 10 feet tall. He had a bronze helmet on his head and wore a coat of bronze armor weighing 126 pounds. Someone carrying his shield walked in front of him. Goliath stood and shouted, Choose your best fighter and have him come out to fight me. When Saul, King Saul, and his troops heard this challenge, they were terrified and they lost all hope. Goliath did this for 40 days and no challengers. But then this young boy, David, shows up to deliver supplies to his older brother, his older brothers, and he overhears soldiers talking, saying, the king will give great wealth to the man who kills the giant. He will also give his daughter in marriage and will exempt his family from having to pay taxes. You didn't know that was part of the story, did you? Right? And David is like, wait, what was that? What, what's the reward? And so they tell him again, great wealth, the, the king's daughter in marriage and no taxes. So, so David says, I'll fight the giant. But King Saul is like, uh, you can't fight the giant. You're too young and inexperienced, and he's been a warrior since his youth. David replied, but, but as a shepherd, I've fought and killed a lion and a bear when they've attacked our sheep. So the king is like, oh, okay, may God be with you, right? Go ahead and fight the giant for me. So then Saul dressed David in his own armor with the king's sword, but it was all too big and heavy, because you might remember that Saul himself was rather tall and, and big. So David took off this armor because it didn't fit, and it made him slow. Then he took his own staff, chose five smooth stones from the stream, put them in his bag. With his sling in hand, he approached Goliath. The giant noticed David and saw that he was little more than a boy. And he said, am I a dog that you come at me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. As Goliath started toward him, David took off from the front line, running toward the Philistine. David reached into his pocket for a stone, slung it, and hit the Philistine hard in the forehead, and Goliath crashed face down in the dirt. That is how David defeated the Philistine giant, with a sling and a stone. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So we've heard this story. The giant is undefeated, odds-on favorite in Vegas, and David is the underdog. This is the story that we tell Anytime two people or two teams are unfairly matched up against each other, right? David versus Goliath. And in all of these stories and tales that we tell, the giants seemingly don't have any flaws. They don't have any weaknesses, and that's actually part of the problem. In the book David and Goliath by Malcolm Gladwell, he notes that there's speculation that a giant like Goliath likely had some form of disease that impacted his pituitary gland, which made him grow exceptionally large, which obviously would explain his massive size, even though 10 feet tall is still probably an, an exaggeration. But that kind of excessive growth also has a negative impact on other parts of your body, like your heart, and in this situation, your eyesight. So maybe... Goliath had someone walking in front of him to guide him where he needed to go because he couldn't see very well. 
And looking at the world with double vision might explain why he thought David came out to fight him with sticks, plural, instead of just the one staff that David had. So he's big, he's strong, but that also makes him slow and perhaps blind, which would mean that he doesn't notice David with a sling. And before he can even react, the battle is over. His obvious strengths have become his fatal weakness. Now, on the one hand, Goliath is a champion, a champion because he played to his strengths, close, hand-to-hand combat. No one was going to beat him at that. But sometimes when we lean so heavily into our strengths and to what we're good at, we overlook our limitations. I mean, maybe if Goliath wasn't afraid to say, that armor is really too heavy for me. It doesn't need to be 126 pounds. He could have been quicker. He could have been more responsive. Maybe if if Goliath was comfortable enough in his own skin to wear those goofy-looking prescription goggles that, you know, people like Kareem Abdul-Jafar wore when he was playing basketball, he would have seen what David was planning. Maybe this whole story would have been different if our champions are allowed to be human and to have limitations. We, We still struggle with that today, right? Like, we don't want our champions to have limitations. David, however, is too young, too small, too inexperienced, too weak to defeat a giant in close hand-to-hand combat. Even if this giant is slow and can't see it all. So David can't follow our culture's most common advice of, well, why don't you just try harder? It doesn't matter how much David tries, he's never going to defeat David in hand-to-hand combat. Honestly, David can't even pray away his weaknesses in this situation. The imbalance in power is so extreme, prayer isn't going to make a difference. So before David can defeat a giant, he has to come to terms with his own limitations. That's the only way. David refuses to wear the armor of the king, and he refuses to fight a giant like a giant in hand-to-hand combat. But those are the cultural pressures that are weighing upon him and weighing upon everyone. You must fight like the king or you must fight like a giant in order to defeat a giant. I mean, who doesn't want to be like the king? Who doesn't want to be like a giant? But pretending to be someone else would have got David killed easily. I don't know about you, but I've spent a fair amount of my life trying really, really hard to be who I thought I was supposed to be. Even now, I still have moments where I think, if only I was more like that pastor, then maybe things would be better. Or or maybe I should be more like that dad or that husband or, or whoever. But that is just a really exhausting way to live. David, for some reason, feels comfortable, feels free to to be himself. And that changes the whole story. David's advantages over Goliath is his willingness to see both his strengths and his limitations in his life. He's able to accept that he's never going to be strong enough. 
So King Saul says to David, may God be with you. May God be with you. And when we first meet David in chapter 16, last week, we're told that God is with David. This is something about who David is. And as the life of David plays out, we're told again and again that God is with him. God is with David. Now, is God with David because he's so good and strong and holy? Without any limitations, without any flaws? No, like the story that we're told highlights just how human David is. That's what's so amazing about the story and the story of David is that for all of his gifts and his strengths, they're matched only by an incredible amount of weaknesses, an incredible amount of flaws, an incredible amount of failures. And yet, through all of it, God is with David. God is with him. Now, we all have strengths and gifts. Sometimes it's harder to see uh, than not. Sometimes we know exactly what they are. They're all worth noticing. They're all worth celebrating. Do you know what you're good at? Do you know what things make you come alive and give you joy? In all of these moments of success, God is with us. Well, of course, right? Like when things go well, of course God is with us. But the story of David reminds us that in our limitations and in our flaws and in our failures, God is also with us. Then once we're able to see our limitations and, and accept that they're real, are there ways that we're trying to change and to grow and to be better? That, that's good. And in those moments, God is with us. But of course, God is with us in those moments. But what about those times when we realize that we can't change and that there are things completely out of our control? God is still with us, amazingly. I think it was Zach Galifianakis, or maybe it was just an internet meme, <laughs> that once said, am I perfect? No. But am I trying harder and harder every day to be better? Also no. <laughs> Even then, even then, God is with us. Let's pray. And Jesus, we pray that we would know that we are loved, that we would know that you are with us, that we would be able to be ourselves with all of our strengths and weaknesses, with our failures and our successes. We pray that you would cover us with your grace. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.